This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Y'all hit that music. Drop the beat. Let's go. <laughs> 48 hours away. We're probably in the second quarter of the NFC Championship game in two days' time. Two games, four teams. It's all that remains in the NFL season. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. She is Courtney Cronin at the Midwest Bureau there in Chicago. I'm Randy Scott, filling in for the guys here. Uh, I'm in Bristol, Connecticut. He is Marvin Lewis, former NFL head coach, perhaps future NFL head coach for all we know. But I also, for the purposes of this interview, Coach, we're talking about at your role as the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, 96 to 2001. And if you were alive and watching football in that span, you know that 2000 Baltimore Ravens team is up there. If not, if not the best defense of all time, it is in the conversation. And ESPN's 30 for 30 has a Bullies of Baltimore feature coming out about the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. It premieres February 5th, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN and immediately after on ESPN+. Plus. Obviously, you've been involved in that. You haven't seen the final cut yet. But for you, what has it been like reliving and talking about, I mean, guys like Ray Lewis and Rod Woodson and Peter Bulware, guys who were part of such a historic defensive side? Yeah, Randy, it's good to be with you here. Uh, that was, there's no question. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, last year when we got together in Baltimore, uh, this past uh, May, uh, to see a lot of the guys that uh, that came back for that, and see some of that lived there, and and everybody, I think uh, you know it's a special group. Uh, we were probably 15, 16 players deep as far as their contributions to that defensive team, and uh, it's just very special. Marvin, so much is made about the Chicago Bears, their 1985 Super Bowl team and that defense, but the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, that's a defense that held opponents to 10.3 points per game over a 16-game schedule. And I'm just wondering from your perspective of knowing the history of this league and knowing the different eras, what do you make of the comparison between the two defenses that often get mentioned in the same sentence? Well, I mean, obviously those guys were very, very good, the 1985 Bears defense. Um, and I guess even somebody said statistically even 86 might even have been better. But uh, I think the fact that the guys, what they did in during the 2000 season and the run through the playoffs, to give up one offensive touchdown in four playoff games is basically unheard of. And, uh, and that's what they did, which is very, very special. Uh, when I, as we're talking with Marvin Lewis, who is himself obviously an NFL head coach, but also the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens uh, from '96 to '01, and uh, the Super Bowl winning, you know, Super Bowl 35 uh, champion squad that allowed, you know, just the seven points uh, to the Giants, who had to roll, steamroll through the NFC side to get there. Um, when you go through sitting down with the camera crews, maybe even reconnecting with former players, uh, what's one story that's safe to tell on the radio? that springs to mind as you're around these voices and these personalities again? Well, I think the thing that struck me is during the playoff run, it was so cold in Baltimore that we had our, our practice fields were frozen and we literally had to bus down to uh, the stadium in downtown Baltimore to practice because the field was heated at the stadium. And when we got to Tampa, for that week prior to the game, I think we left Monday and then got there and started on the practice field. I can remember Brian coming to me and say, 
we got to do something to slow these guys down or they're going to, they're going to hurt each other. <laughs> uh, they were so in tune. We'd had such a good week of preparation back in Owens Mills before we got to Tampa yeah. that they were so in tune that everything mm-hmm. the Giants did, they just flew around in practice like it was the first day of training camp. And it really gave all of us a great sense of confidence going into that football game of how prepared, because the, the key element that no one realizes is just how smart these guys were. Whatever we fed them game plan wise, tendency wise and everything. Mm. If we tried to flip a play and run it in practice, the opposite side, Terragusa would literally stand up out of the stance and mark, but they don't do that. The goose get down. They can do that, you know, <laughs> and just, they all were so in tune and, and so smart. Uh, that just made it, you know, made them so special and how they played so well together. Marvin, you've gotten to know Ray Lewis for many, many years, having been there with him in Baltimore. And I know that we get to see what he we got a chance to see what he was like on the field. For those who don't know him behind the scenes, is that same boisterous energy something that he replicates when he's in meeting rooms, when he's in the facility, when the cameras and the lights aren't on him? He was a sponge. <laughs> I mean, literally from day one, he he he. He really had two uh, components that were just very special. He was a leader from day one, and he was a sponge. And all he ever wanted to do was get better. And he was the youngest. You know, we drafted Ray in, in 1996. He was 20 years old. And then next year, we drafted Boware, Jamie Sharper, um, Tyrus McLeod, and Cornell Brown, four other linebackers. And literally, they were all older than Ray. But he was still the Pied Piper. He led the group he, from the whole entire football team right from the start. And uh, and that was just so impressive about him. But, no, he was not that guy, uh, you know, uh, that everybody sees now. In fact, I blame Mike Caldwell, you know, who's with D.C. and Jacksonville. He's the one who started that doggone dance. And uh, <laughs> we couldn't get lined up, but we could have a, we had a choreographed dance for introductions. So I was a little <laughs> upset with those guys that day back then. Wait a minute, wait, wait, Ray didn't come up with the dance? Nah, Mike Caldwell came up with that dance. Ray was part of it. Oh, man. Because, you know, he, he deferred to his elders. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, Ray's <laughs> respectful like that. And then he took it and he took it and ran with it and made it special, obviously. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, he made it iconic. Uh, Marvin Lewis with us here he on Canteen. He made Kansas. it iconic. Uh, Only he could do that. Yeah, no, that's yeah, fair. He uh, could do that. Canteen Carlin on, on ESPN Radio and, and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott in for the guys. Um, I mean, Coach, you're, you're well-versed in in the, the sides of this Final Four on Championship Sunday, but specifically Cincinnati. Obviously, your time there, uh, you had some you had highs and, and, and obviously lows as well. But when you see where the city is, where the team is, um, just what does it mean to that area to be this close again to getting back to the Super Bowl? Well, I, I, I think... To me, it just gives the relevance of the Brown family and everything they've done over time. And they probably didn't get a fair shake until, you know, kind of 04, 05 when I was there, you know, somewhere after the 03 season as we continued to get better time and time again. And I think it's, to me, uh, they're, you know, what they have done, obviously what Zach Taylor has done with his coaching staff and their players uh, has been tremendous. And, you know, uh they play with such confidence. They play hard. They play fast, and they play physical. And, and those were the things we kind of wanted to build the team on all the time there. 
and uh, they've done a great job of, uh, of, of, you know, building that football team and putting it together. Duke Tobin he should deserve a lot of credit mm-hmm. and his staff for what they've done. And they've had the upper hand against this Kansas City team, their last three matchups. And, you know, we go into part four of Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. And one of the storylines there is about Mahomes and that injured ankle, the high ankle sprain that he sustained last week in the divisional playoffs. From a coaching perspective, how do you defend somebody like that knowing we've seen the video? He looks like he's walking just fine uh, and moving around just fine at practice. Do you think that that will factor into what Cincinnati's defensive game plan is going to be in trying to contain Patrick Mahomes for a fourth time? I, I would say that the coaches there in Cincinnati, Coach Lou's done a great job with that unit, you know, for the last two seasons. And, uh, I think they'll go in to they got to prepare as though he's a healthy guy. Um, they were very dominant against Kansas City in the first meeting this year. Uh, they struggled to block those edge rushers. And the only thing I would say, if, if, if it indeed that he can't doesn't have the mobility he had, is it'll en- enable them to turn the inside guys loose a little bit more uh, because he won't have that ability to step up, slide, and escape like he did in the first matchup and kept creating plays and kept them in the football game. But if he can't move like that, it, it could be a long day if they don't, they're not able to run the ball and he has to, you know, they have to rely on him throwing it. All right, Coach Lewis, as we're uh, wrapping up here on, on Canton Carlin on ESPN Radio, your 2000 Baltimore Ravens defense was so good. And Trent Dilfer defers to you guys all the time, says they even made me a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You and I both know Trent has plenty of ego in his own right, but he he knows where to give credit for that for that Super Bowl. And I'm going to ask this in as gentle of a way as possible. I'm going to pick the bottom five quarterbacks in terms of QBR in 2022 in the National Football League. You tell me which ones you could have won a Super Bowl with with that defense. All right, Zach Wilson. All right, Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I'm a Zach Wilson fan. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, or Carson Wentz. So of that of that group, who could you have made a deep playoff run with? Well, I'm, uh, I think Wentz and, and Mayfield both have the ability to take care of the football, and, and I think that's what Trent did. Trent doesn't get enough credit. Trent took care of the football. He hit on deep balls down the field where it was us or nobody or P.I., and he, he, he doesn't get enough credit for that, but he managed the game. He never turned the ball over and put us in jeopardy, and he just gave us an opportunity to keep playing defense. I mean, and, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, you know, but it was, it was a great run. He was actually the third starting quarterback that year, and he did a great job. And it helps me have Quadri stretching the field the way he did, and Patrick Johnson played a little bit, and Travis Taylor Flashed yeah. and Shannon Sharpshire helped. Shannon Sharpshire helped as well. Yeah, <laughs> and Jamal's ability to run the football. Jamal and Priest running the football. Yeah. As a I mean, they did a great job. Sam Cat Gash, Ben Coates, mm-hmm. you know, and Shannon Sharp, like you mentioned, when you know Ozzy, we signed Sam Gash and Shannon uh, and Ben Coates in July, right before training camp. I remember telling Ozzy that day, "Shoot, the defense got better today, Oz. We signed two first down." <laughs> <laughs> Shorten the game. Limit the possessions. Coach, we appreciate the That's time. Right. Thank you. Thank you for, for the trip down down memory lane. And, and I know uh, I speak for a lot of people who say that we're looking forward to this thing on, on February 5th at 830 Eastern on ESPN.
Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Thank you very much, guys. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, Coach. Coach Marvin Lewis with us here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, which is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. This will be another defensive game. Hurts keeps fighting for the end zone. What a run. Touchdown, Philadelphia. Philly, they are damn near impossible to defend. They have people everywhere. Like, who you going to guard? The Niners are clearly the best defense left in this thing. And when you have units that are this good, it comes down to matchups. When you talk about who is just doing the best job of coaching his football team right this minute, who's doing it better than Kyle Shanahan? Right, so on the NFC side of things, maybe maybe the sizzle isn't as apparent, right? Maybe the, the trash talk is non-existent, the bulletin board material, the mayors aren't popping off, but the defenses are, are good. I mean, this is like if, if you like, you know, trenches football, uh, that's what's going to decide this thing. But if you look at the quarterbacks, I, I want to draw on uh, a, a special, you know, playoff game, Courtney, that you were at that 2017 mm-hmm. uh, playoff game in Philadelphia, the NFC title game where Case Keenum, you know, coming off the was that fresh off the Minnesota miracle, the Minneapolis miracle? It was. That was the yeah. next game because that was a divisional playoffs against the Saints. Okay, so they roll in. You're there as our Vikings reporter. Yep. And they just got run out of the building. They had a lead in that game too, right? Were they? They were up seven to zero yeah. to start out, and that was the last time they led because Philly came and thundered through this team. There were some injuries in that game, but they ended up losing thirty-eight to seven. And I think you can point to a lot of things with this Vikings team, like common themes that have been carried over from from you know staff to staff and year to year where the emotional high of that game that they beat the Saints in US Bank Stadium on the final play which became iconic in its own right i just remember that whole week going into Philadelphia thinking how are they going to be able to flush that so to speak and be able to get past the eagles who you know were very, very good team, a team that ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. And doing it at home, it just felt like impossible when you think about it. So, the, and, and the reason we, we bring that up is not only because the NFC Championship game is back in Philadelphia and they're going to be loud and it's going to be a hostile environment for Brock Purdy, but it's because we were trying to come up with a comp for this type of run this deep into a postseason, short of Tom Brady, you know, and what he did with the Patriots back in, uh, what, January and, and February of 02. But just what was the, what was the most recent guy who was pressed into service, didn't start the year as the starter, and then came on and got hot and led a deep playoff run. And Case Keenum was somebody who came to mind and how he handled the hostile environment of going on the road and going to Philadelphia. And it just it didn't turn out well. Caught a hot team, a team of destiny, as it turned out. But had a, had a hostile environment, to be sure, and kind of turned into a pumpkin because I think there are those, Courtney, who are waiting for Brock Purdy to do sure. the same. They're waiting for the clock to strike midnight. Yeah, and I think the Keenum comparison is a good one because, you know, similar circumstances where he takes over for an injured quarterback. Granted, Case started, believe it was week three, was his first game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that 2017 season, and he was the starter from there on out, played every single game. And the Vikings had a decision to make after that 2017 year. Do we keep any of the three quarterbacks that they had on their active roster, all three of whom were available for the NFC Championship game, where it was Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, and Teddy Bridgewater? Bridgewater and Bradford were dealing with injury that year and and case kept rolling. So they had no choice but to Mm -hmm. stay on a winning horse there, but they ended up letting all three go during the off season 
And I think it's it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison here, just in terms of the contracts. Because remember, Case Keenum was a journeyman quarterback at this time, had started his career with the St. Louis Rams, which became the Los Angeles Rams, had bounced around the league as a backup quarterback. And Brock Purdy's in his first year, like not even through his first NFL season. And we're wondering, what does this mean for Trey Lance? What does this mean for the 49ers going forward next year? Do they have to get to a certain round of the postseason for you to go into 2023 if you're Kyle Shanahan saying no need for a quarterback competition Brock Purdy's the guy and I I don't know if it means Super Bowl or bust I'm personally like not wanting I'm not an all-or-nothing person and I just find that those sorts of things are unfair what I look at this though through a realistic lens unlike the Minnesota situation where they had like they viewed this as we have one chance to get this thing right we've got a Super Bowl winning defense it was a number one def- a Super Bowl caliber defense it was number one defense in the in the NFL the year before that most of those pieces were coming back they wanted to solidify the quarterback spot which is why they went out and paid Kirk Cousins 84 million dollars on a fully guaranteed contract and let everybody else walk now in San Francisco, they've got to determine, do we trade Trey Lance during the offseason? Because he's still a, a big unknown. We've seen him play a handful of games over the last two seasons, and due to injury, he's had to sit out this year. Do you want a quarterback competition if Brock Purdy is out this weekend? And even if he makes it to the Super Bowl, I don't know what the threshold is there, but you have a couple options there because Trey Lance is guaranteed over $34 million on his rookie deal because he was the third overall pick. Mm -hmm. The dollar signs might determine whether it's John Lynch or others in the front office in conjunction with Kyle Shanahan, what this team wants to do as far as figuring out its future, because there are going to be those who believe, kind of like the Minnesota situation, that this was lightning in a bottle for Brock Purdy, that they had a terrific defense, which you don't, you know how attrition works in the NFL. You don't know if you're going to have the same team the following year. You've got contracts coming due. Is it going to look like the same team where you can just replicate that with the same quarterback next year or when you start mixing different pieces in, might you determine a quarterback competition would be best? And if Trey Lance wins it, then he's your guy. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a huge it's a huge thing that's weighing yeah. on them. Not now. They're not concerned about it at all right now. They're trying to go to the Super Bowl. But man, come free agency, come the off season, those calls are going to come in about a couple of those quarterbacks that they have. Whether it's you know Jimmy Garoppolo hitting free agency and going somewhere else, and mm-hmm. what teams might want potentially with a Trey Lance who knows and obviously you've got Brock Purdy sitting there who was more than just a pleasant surprise for you this year more than and and has made himself some money whether it's in San Francisco or whether it's elsewhere I don't know reminder he's not eligible for a contract extension until it would be 2024 because that'd be 22 23 after the 24 season so he's got to be three years on this rookie deal before he's eligible for a contract extension but you certainly wouldn't want to get rid of him. You certainly wouldn't want to trade him or move him because of how good he's been for you. But do you think you can replicate that success next year? The next two weeks, I think, you know, potentially three weeks going to the Super Bowl will tell us that. I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, you think you can win with anybody, and Brock Purdy might be proving uh, just how good your system is. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Randy Scott. We're going to head to Kansas City when we come back. How's the most famous ankle in the NFL holding up? That's on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. But first, Courtney is going to tell you about FanDuel. 
I sure am. The NFL playoffs are heating up, and the easiest way to get in on all the action is with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers join today to get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up using promo code PLAY, P-L-A-Y. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props, so don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, with promo code PLAY. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com hi this is espn's mike greenberg and espn bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring the official sports book of espn has exclusive offers and markets from scott van pelt Stephen a smith and me from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark there's no better time for sports fans sign up today and new users get a hundred dollars in bonus bets for making any sports book bet download espn bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details this is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Wide open is Jamar Chase. Forget about it. It hasn't really been about sustaining success for us. It's just about how do we win the next game. And next thing you know, you've won 10. Then you just focus on the next one. You try to be one to know the next week. Touchdown on a perfect throw for Joe Burrow. When I look at Joe Burrow, he has the charisma at Namath. And if he doesn't remind you of Tom Brady, I went against Tom Brady a hundred times, got beat on it, 99. That's who that sucker reminds me of. He's not wrong. He would know he's got plenty of charisma in his own right. That's Rex Ryan talking about Joe Burrow. He of the 10-game win streaks. He of the Cincinnati Bengals. And he of the just buckets of confidence as the Bengals roll into Arrowhead once again. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as on your smart speaker. She's Courtney Cronin there at the um, at the Midwest offices, the Midwest Bureau in uh, Chicago. Uh, the snow has stopped. Courtney? Let me look. Yep, we're, we're good. Love we have it. some clarity here. All right, it's headed east then. It's headed for... Headed for Coming Bristol. Coming to you in the uh, mothership. <laughs> there we go. In the mothership. I'm Randy Scott in the mothership. 888-729-3776 is the phone number. Joining us there on that number is Tim Grunhard of Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Uh, played there, I, I don't know, man, I got it as a decade. I remember you as a Raider fan, so you were there from 90 to 2000, which were not not awesome years uh, for, for, the, for my Raiders. But you've been at this stage before. You've made it to the AFC Championship game in your own career. Uh, plenty of playoff runs with the Chiefs, and now you're getting to watch this run of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So why don't we start there? Why don't we start with 15? Uh, what's the latest you're hearing or even seeing at practice on the most watched ankle in the NFL right now? Well, first of all, Randy and uh, Courtney, thank you guys so much for having me on. And boy, I enjoyed listening to the uh, uh, promo of all the Joe Burrow stuff as I was being introduced <laughs> in here. So thanks so much for that, guys, for listening to the <laughs> the confidence of Joe Burrow as he goes in Arrowhead. And you know what? He probably should have confidence. Uh, they're, uh, you know, 3-0 against the Chiefs in the last three games. They've had the Chiefs number. And, yeah, they get to roll in Arrowhead, uh, or according to some of the players over there, Burrowhead Stadium. 
So, uh, yeah, uh, very excited uh, about the game coming up. And, you know, it's nothing less than a miracle that Patrick Mahomes is where he's at right now. Um, you know, I had one high ankle sprain in my career, and it kind of it ended my 120-game streak of playing uh, in the NFL from my second year to my 11th year uh, with a high ankle sprain. And I did everything I possibly could to try to get back that week to keep that streak going, and I couldn't. So it's a miracle that uh, Patrick is where he's at and going to be up to that offensive line to keep him clean and to keep that pocket clean and have given an opportunity to have some success, even though he's banged up. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable seeing the video that's come out of practice this week. It would look like nothing's wrong if you didn't know that he was dealing with that high ankle sprain, but we'll see how, if that thing's bandaged up, if he's wearing a brace, what have you, coming on Sunday. But to the point of Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, I think that there's kind of a narrative here that we should probably even out. It's not like Patrick Mahomes has played poorly in any of these last three games against the Cincinnati Bengals, all three of which the Chiefs have lost. I mean, 63, 7.3% of his passes were completed. 757 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, what Patrick Mahomes do you expect this time around against the Cincinnati Bengals, knowing how Lou Anarumo has made a lot of defensive adjustments? They throw a ton of different looks at Mahomes. Does the fourth time potentially give him any sort of advantage to work around some of the looks that he's seen previously? Yeah, you know, I think it comes down to, yeah, absolutely. Cincinnati's done a great job of giving the Chiefs all kinds of different looks and different problems with some games and some twists and some stunts and a little bit of blitz packages. But it really comes down to that battle up front. And uh, listen, Hendrickson and uh, uh, Hubbard have done a great job at the defensive end. And in fact, uh, Eric Bieniemy, our offensive coordinator, talked a little bit about it this week. That you know, listen, we have to match the intensity and, and just the, the 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 toughness that the defensive line, including Reader uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals, has brought to the Chiefs. Uh, the last three games. And that's going to be the important thing. So early in this game, I expect uh, a six-man protection. That's something that, that Andy Reid does not like to do. I, I think that they're going to fan out. I think it's going to be a three-man rush because, they listen, they've gotten pressure with three three guys against the Chiefs over the last three or four games, and I don't think they're going to change up. In fact, we just heard Coach Taylor say that. They're not going to do a lot of different things. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to bring some blitzes, but they feel like they can get home with three. So, the Chiefs have got to do a good job of, of keeping that pocket clean, keeping it deep, keeping it wide, giving Patrick Mahomes an opportunity to step up and feel comfortable back there. And then the other thing I think the Chiefs are going to do a little bit more in this game that I don't think we've seen over the last couple of games they played against uh, the Bengals, and that's running a little bit of the RPO package. That'll give Patrick Mahomes one read, and if, let's say, he's reading the outside linebacker and he steps up, they'll throw that slant of that hitch behind it. And if he backs up, they'll hand the ball off to Pacheco or to McKinnon. So I think you're going to see some RPOs. But really what it comes down to is matching the intensity of that defensive line in Cincinnati with the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs. The big sombrero, as we used to call it at Arrowhead back in the day in the night, is on the offensive line. They have to play their best game against Cincinnati this week in order for them to go up to Arizona next in, in two weeks. We're talking with former Chiefs offensive lineman and current sports radio host at 810 WHB in Kansas City, Tim Grunhard. And we talked to a counterpart. We talked to Tony Pike at ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. We asked him, we said, Tony, what's the one thing that you guys have to do to beat Kansas City? Here was his answer. They got to stay uh, within the chains. Uh, you know, second and ten, third and long situations for this Bengals offense because of what I just talked about could be detrimental. 
But if this team can get three or four yards on first down, a couple yards on second, and stay in those third and manageable situations where run pass is an option, puts a lot of pressure on this uh, this Kansas City defense. I, I feel confident in what the Bengals defense can do. It's can the offense stay in those manageable situations. All right, how's that? How's that grab you, Tim? How, how do you think they win? No, I think he's exactly right. Uh, you know, listen, they've got to stop. Uh, the running game of, of the Bengals early, not put Joe Burrow in a situation where it's second and three or, or third and one. Uh, they have to win on first down. So really what it comes down to this game, and, and, and we talked about this as the playoffs started, the Chiefs have got to win uh, the turnover battle. If you watched that playoff game last year, the first half the Chiefs took it to the Bengals. And then they lost a little bit of their mojo. There was a, there was a little bit of a, a scuffle, a little bit of a, a drama a situation that happened right before half between Eric the Enemy and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And I think it took the mojo away from that team. And later on, I think it was at the middle of the third quarter, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception to a defensive lineman, which really switched the momentum of that game completely. So for me, it's turnovers on the Kansas City Chiefs offense. You can't turn the ball over. Whoever wins the turnover battle in this game wins the football game. And then when it comes down to, like you guys just talked about, with the, the Bengals' offense, listen, they did a really nice job of running the ball against the Buffalo Bills. And really, their offensive line played well against the Buffalo Bills. But if you look at that game, there's three or four inches of snow on the ground. And as an offensive line, we used to say prayers for that kind of weather because it slows the defensive line down. They can't get that get-off. They can't get that traction. They can't work some of their moves because – they're so worried about their, 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 their feet, and they're worried about, you know, slipping around. So the offensive line for the Bengals, their prayers were answered last week when they played against the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be really, really cold at Arrowhead this week, but it's going to be dry. So I think that that's a little bit of an advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Tim Grunhard, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City, uh, former Chiefs offensive lineman. Uh, man, good luck to you guys. I say that, again, as a Raider fan, but I, I want a good game, and it's always fun seeing a healthy Patrick Mahomes out there doing what he does best and seeing this offense absolutely click. So uh, here's to a fun one on, on Sunday, all right? Yeah, you know what? And uh, it's a great rivalry right now between Burrow mm-hmm. and, and Mahomes, and then you could throw – Allen in on that, and you know that it's a lot of fun. You watch it, watching these young uh, uh, quarterbacks in the AFC have success, and that's great for the league. Uh, it, it's great for for television. It's great for ESPN. It's great for radio. So yeah. hey, uh, let's continue to uh, have these great battles. We're hoping the Kansas City Chiefs can pull this one off and go to the Super Bowl, uh, but uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, it's going to be a tough one for for the Chiefs, but uh, you know they're playing at home. And Patrick Mahomes is playing a little bit hurt, but, man, don't ever count that guy out. Tim, we appreciate it. We're going to talk about whether or not Sean Payton should sit out as his coaching carousel spins, and he hasn't grabbed a seat yet. It's Courtney Cronin. Cronin, Randy Scott, in for the guys, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker. However you found us, we're glad you did. It's Friday. Happy Preakend to all who observe. I want to bring that back, Courtney. I don't know if it left, but I want to bring it back. Yeah, Friday's the Preakend. Friday is the weekend. Okay, good. Okay, so the Preakend now becomes... I mean, Randy, this is... Technically, is this not your weekend? Because you work on Saturday and Sunday? I work Saturday and Sunday for sure, yeah. So when is your weekend? Um, The ratings are actually quite strong on Saturday and Sunday. Thank you. Um, (laughs) When is my week? My uh, Monday, Tuesday... And Wednesday's a, a prep day. You know, you have some okay. conference calls and lay things out for the uh, for, for the work week. Uh, you're always on. I feel like as an NFL reporter, you're just sort Season of like... Season never stops until yeah. it actually stops. And then you've got a couple days pretty much before off-season. Yeah, if you're, if you're trying to, you know, if you're, if you're at Kincaid's there off the brown line by DePaul... <laughs> You know, enjoying Wednesday night karaoke and, and dollar apps at midnight? I have midnight. no clue about any of this. Are oh. you alluding to something here? It was a, listen, total clips of the heart, you know? You sing the Dan Band version, get some profanity going, really shake up the room. But if you're, and what I'm saying is if you're trying to talk to Courtney Cronin, you're like, hey, like, are you married? And she'll go, married to the game. <laughs> married to the married to the game, married to the job. Always on. <laughs> Phones oh, on the. I don't wear the. I don't wear the cell phone on a on a on my belt buckle because of uh, because of fashion. I, I mean, wear it because it of very fashionable. Look. I wear because of functionality. My phone's on on my hip because I like it. Um, all right, let's. Get, <laughs> I'm so sorry we rejoined like that, but um, I want to talk about Sean Payton. You want to talk about Sean Payton because you feel like he's running out of options right now. It, that it, it seemed like he he could pick his spot. He could just say, hey, I want this job, make this job happen, make it so, snap his fingers. Things change in the span of a couple weeks, huh? Yeah, and I mean, there's four openings right now. So it's Cardinals, Broncos, Colts, and Texans. And we know that Sean Payton had, at least it was lined up, the second interview with the Arizona Cardinals, but no second interviews other places right now. So the coaching's carousel has not stopped spinning, but it doesn't feel like Sean Payton's going to land at any of those spots. And that's not, I think, anything to do with, oh, he's not interviewing well, what you know, whatever the case may be. I think it's because he doesn't see a fit here that makes sense for him to come out of the broadcast booth of really, you know, come out of the pregame booth at Fox, give up that sort of job, that sort of lifestyle, and jump back in headfirst to the NFL. There's no quarterback spot. I mean, granted, the Colts are going to draft a quarterback. The Texans are going to draft a quarterback. You don't know if those guys are going to pan out immediately. That's not a sure thing. And he wouldn't be going to a situation with the Cardinals, where you'd have a quarterback, your starter, until November, maybe, of next year. And then we know what's going on with Russell Wilson in Denver. I think that Sean Payton's perfectly happy sitting this thing out for at least a year and determining what his options are in 2023 when the cycle again closes after this season yeah. and then reevaluating jumping back in. 
Yeah, he, he's he's not a man who's going to be far from the game, and I think that's what a lot of these uh, coaches who have the itch, who have the bug, and who have the the reputation in in the options. He he is a man with options. It's just a matter of how selective he wants to be. And where I would, if I'm advising Sean Payton, not that he needs it, but he, you know he's been mentioned for for the Arizona job. Is that as though that's still an option? Do you want that job? Like j- j- just because you've won with an undersized quarterback before, can you win with this? undersized quarterback because Kyler Murray through contractual obligation and guaranteed money, he's not going anywhere. So maybe if you are Sean Payton and you anticipated, as you said, Courtney, that chargers job coming open and it has not yet and probably will not, uh, or, or the Rams job, you know, Sean McVay staying, as you said, why, why leave? Maybe give it one more year. Maybe the, maybe the chargers stay stagnant and that, that comes mm-hmm. open. Maybe Mike McCarthy's situation doesn't Im- improve with Dak Prescott and that comes open. If you don't like your options now, Sean Payton has created the kind of cachet and reputational security mm-hmm. in the NFL to where he can pick uh, his spot. Speaking of reputation, speaking of high money, right? Big contracts, as Sean Payton has reportedly asked for. Could Jalen Hurts be the highest paid quarterback if the Eagles not only beat the Niners but go ahead and win the Super Bowl. We'll dive into that. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, and for the guys, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can watch and listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.